You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How are we, church? I am excited to um, to kick off a new series, and uh, you might be able to hear that I'm a little bit sick this morning, so I'm sorry. I'm going to try and be quick so that you don't have to hear my painful nasal voice for too long. I, I warned Will. I said, if I um, if I pass out, just bust out with just slide on stage with a bass solo, distract everyone while they pull me off the stage, and uh, everything will be okay. Presence of God will come because He's skilled and. Uh, God-like skills. (laughs) But we've got a new series that we're kicking off and we're in the the throes of Christmas and uh, and it's kind of Advent. Actually, Advent, it kicks off today. If you don't know what Advent is, don't worry, I had to to Google it too. It's not the little plastic um, chocolates that taste like rubbish that you pop out every day before Christmas. No, the actual traditional meaning of Advent is uh, the expectation of the arrival of the King. It's just, it's leading up to the pinnacle or the zenith of Jesus being born, our King coming to earth. And that's what Advent represents, is our expectation and our waiting of the coming King. And so that's what we're going to explore. That's what we're going to delve into, is we're going to look at the nature of Jesus over the next couple of weeks. And how good is it to, in the in the tsunami of shopping and stress and worry and preparing things to be able to stop and to ponder on the nature of Jesus. You know, I think of Mary and Martha. One is in a whirlwind trying to prepare stuff and the other sits down at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, this is the better thing. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're just gonna create a space where we just get to talk about Jesus. And I can't, I just, I'm, pumped to preach about Jesus. It is the the only topic of this Bible. It is the only topic that we live our lives by. It's not even a topic, it's a person. It's Jesus, grace. He is alive, He is here, and we get to talk about Him, we get to sing to Him, we get to worship Him and lift Him up in our lives. And so I'm excited about the next couple of weeks, and the title of the series is called Unexpected, because He's the Unexpected King. He's the Unexpected Saviour. And He does things unexpectedly. And so I'm pumped. I'm excited. It's going to be good. Who's with me? Don't miss it. Hey, let's give the band a hand. These guys are phenomenal. These guys work hard. Don't forget, we'll come out if I pass out, right? (laughs) These guys are incredible. They work really, really hard. Really hard. Hey, the title of my message this morning uh, I'm kicking off with a pretty awesome topic, the unexpected king. Say to your neighbor, say, turn to them and say, the unexpected king. Oh, I'll say it with, like you've had a coffee. The unexpected king. King Jesus. Who doesn't like to talk about King Jesus? He's our king. He's our Lord. He's our savior. And this morning, the title of my message, The Unexpected King, you might have guessed it, we're kind of going to the birth of Jesus, the way that He arrived, the way that He conducted Himself, and the way that He ruled and rules His kingdom. And who's excited about that this morning? I don't know about you, but um, so many unexpected things happen in our world sometimes. I mean, good things, unexpected coffee, it's a good thing. 
coffee come out of nowhere, I'm happy. I praise God. I mean, unexpected coffee, that's better than Christmas. Come on. But unexpected things happen in our life all the time. You might have remembered when uh, Britain's Got Talent was happening and uh, this middle-aged woman who, who didn't look like a singer, but she rocked up on the, out on the stage and Simon Cow was given his judgment, his judgmental looks, you know, just judging by appearances. And her name was Susan Boyle. And who loves being unexpected by these characters? She walks out, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden she begins to sing and the place goes wild. It was unexpected. It was crazy. We, sometimes we love the unexpected. Sometimes we don't love the unexpected. Last night, Audrey unexpectedly fell out of her bed. Poor girl, I just heard this thump and cry, ran into the room and rescued her off the floor. And there she is just crying like a heap on the floor. I mean, imagine falling out of bed. You know how sometimes you just get that unexpected feeling of falling out of bed? Imagine actually falling out of bed. I just hate the feeling. But imagine hitting the ground far out. These kids are tough. These kids are tough. But let's turn with me this morning. I want to turn uh, to Philippians 2. If you've charged your Bibles, Turn to flick or press to Philippians 2. We're going to look at verse 6. It should be up on the screen. I'm not sure if I put this one on. It says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. And that name is Jesus, from whom every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How awesome is that verse? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you came. I thank you that you're here. But Lord, I just pray this morning, uh, I just pray that as we unveil, as we pull back the curtain on the aspect of your nature, that you are king. I pray, Lord, that our expectations would fall to the ground. But a higher expectation, heaven's perspective of who you are, would come to mind this morning and would change our life. And Lord, we lift up our pastors, Pastor Keith and Jenna, who are ministering at Port Macquarie this morning. We just pray that you will bless them. We pray you will comfort them, be around them, energize them, Father God, and be with them. We love them and just pray that you will pour out upon their lives, Lord, in your mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Hey, um, like I said, we love to be, we love the unexpected sometimes, but a lot of the time we don't like the unexpected. And I think sometimes in our relationship with God, most of it tends to be unexpected. Am I right? Our walk with God isn't this plan that we can organize together piece by piece. All my OCD friends out there, you can't organize our relationship with God piece by piece together and expect and know exactly what's going to take place. There's principles and promises in the Word of God that we can stand upon. But when it comes to a relationship with anybody we can't predict, we can't necessarily completely expect everything that's going to happen. So sometimes our walk with God is unexpected. God likes, when I read the Word, I start to see that God likes to operate in unexpected ways. 
He doesn't like the conventional. He doesn't fit into the way we think. And here we are, Jesus Christ, King. Jesus, part of the Trinity, God, Father, and the Holy Spirit. He comes. He arrives in an unexpected way. The unexpected arrival. And it's the beginning of this story and this time of year that we love to ponder on, the Christmas story. But it's Jesus, it's King Jesus coming to earth. And He comes in such an unexpected form and an unexpected time. See, Jesus didn't come. He didn't send forth His marketing gurus. He didn't send forth His publicity team to make sure that, they, that everyone knew that King Jesus was coming. No, Jesus came in a stealthily humble manner. He came in camo. He didn't come with an entourage. He didn't come with trumpets. He didn't come with a huge announcement to the world saying, I am here. No, He came wrapped in flesh. He came in humble form. He came as a child born in a manger. The unexpected King. I mean, if I was King, I don't know if that's how I'd want to come. I'd send, I'd send my uh, marketing gurus out. I'd send, I'd say to my my social media team, I'd say, "Come on, get those Facebook and Twitter and Instagram bots happening." I need like ten thousand followers. I need like fifty thousand likes. I need people to know I'm coming. But I love King Jesus. He doesn't come with any of that. His title, his identity, who he is, isn't threatened or swayed or changed, whether people like him or whether people expect him or whether people know him or whether people see him. He is still king and he comes as king. I mean, the only person on his marketing team was John the Baptist. And he was a bit strange. He kind of reminds me of the crazy cousin in the RV on National Lampoons. I mean, that's John the Baptist. That's Jesus' marketing PR team. I mean, he's got camel hair. He's eating locusts. He's got honey dripping out of his beard. And he's preaching as he's baptizing people. And he's saying, prepare the way for the king. Repent for the kingdom is near. I don't know about you, but Jesus arrived unexpectedly in my life when I got saved. I, sometimes we're looking for God and, and He comes and He was looking for us first. But I wasn't even looking for God. And the nature of God is that a king would leave His throne and come down to earth. He would leave and come to us. He would come and seek us out. He doesn't have the nature of a king of this world who would wait for us to come to Him. No, He comes to us. He makes the first move. And it's still the nature of the king today. Sometimes we think Jesus might be standoffish. He might be waiting disappointment for us to come to him. But no, he comes to us. He says he is closer than our next breath. What kind of king are you expecting this morning? Because he is the unexpected king. He is not the kind of king that you would expect. It says in John 1, 9 to 11, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. How's that for an unexpected arrival? Jesus came in a way that said, hey, this is, this is what my nature looks like. This is how my kingship works. This is how the kingdom works. I'm humble. I don't have to lord it over my people. I'm gentle and I come to you. I leave my throne because he is so secure. 
Are you expecting the king to arrive in your world? Is there circumstances in your world right now that you're expecting him to show up in? Because he wants to. He will. I'm telling you, he's still king. No matter what your circumstance is, it doesn't dictate or change his nature. It doesn't change who he is. Even, even if you're not too sure whether he's going to show up, even if you don't, you can say, I don't have faith for the king to show up in my circumstances. Guess what? He's still the king. He's still the king and someone's praying for you and he wants to show up unexpectedly in your world. He wants to arrive unexpectedly. Somebody give an amen. Someone shout out. God wants to say to your neighbor, God wants to arrive unexpectedly in your world this morning. Come on. I want to, oh, here's people talk this morning like I had a coffee. So I want God to, to come unexpected in my life this morning. I kind of stumbled there. I know. You see, Jesus, he was born and as his ministry started to take place, we begin to see a different side of Jesus. Jesus' Jesus's practice was unorthodox. The practice of a king was, was not the usual practice of a king. See, as a child, there was, King Herod was, he was worried about this, this king that was announced, that he was going to come and overthrow his throne, overthrow his kingdom, and everyone expected when he's preaching the kingdom, but Jesus is preaching an unexpected, different kind of kingdom. And Jesus comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist sees him and he says, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. The sandals, these sandals I'm un, un, unworthy to untie. And here Jesus, and Jesus doesn't baptize, he, he is baptized. And he starts his ministry, he goes into the wilderness, he defeats the temptation of the enemy, and he busts out in power, and his ministry begins. And we think King Jesus is going to start and take over the world, he's going to start and set up colonies, he's going to overthrow the government, but no, he starts to just proclaim that the kingdom of God is here, repent, and he starts to heal, and he starts to set free, and he starts to save, he starts to bring this invisible kingdom that you can't really see into people's lives. It's the, it's the unorthodox practice of Jesus, King Jesus. And he starts to establish his kingdom in a way that doesn't look like he's establishing a kingdom. He starts to recruit these disciples. See, if I was setting up a government or a rule, I wouldn't start picking out some fishermen. I wouldn't start picking out some tax collectors that people don't like. These people are meant to represent the kingdom. And here Jesus is. He said, I want you on my team. And he starts recruiting unexpected people. This king starts recruiting people that aren't qualified, people that don't have all the skills, people who look like they're just doing something completely different, and he starts to recruit them and put them on his team. He says, come on, guys, follow me. We're going to do something. And I feel like that's what Jesus says to us. And we don't expect it because we think, oh, I don't have the skills. I don't have the talents. I don't have the anointing. I don't have this or that. But Jesus says, I've picked you to be on my team. He says, I'm establishing my kingdom. I'm advancing my rule through you. But Jesus, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. I'm, I've picked you. You're on my team. I'm on your team? Yeah, I already picked you. You're on my team whether you like it or not. You're on his team this morning. It's kind of like the schoolyard days when there's like the, the players that aren't that skillful and they're picked last, right? I know that doesn't happen in school anymore because they're, they're all worried about that. But it's like Jesus picks them first. It's his kingship. The nature of his kingship says, yeah, you're awesome. I'm going to pick you. I'm going to use you, 
to advance my kingdom. And so here Jesus is with his, his motley crew, this just rolling around town, seeing people saved, seeing people healed, seeing people set free, and people are on looking. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, they're like, he says he's the Messiah. I don't get this. They completely missed it. They had a very different expectation of what the king would look like coming to earth. But here Jesus is, king in flesh, God in the flesh, walking around, and they completely missed him. But here he is establishing his rule and his reign. And he sits up with his disciples on the mount, and he starts to teach them. He said, you've heard it. It's like this, but the kingdom's like this. You start to read the Beatitudes, it says, you think it's like this, or you've heard it preached or taught that it's like this, but I'm telling you, it's like this. He starts to show the disciples the culture of this unexpected upside-down kingdom, that it's humble, there's power in humility, there's strength in humility, it's powerful, it's strong, it's here even though you can't see it. He starts to teach his disciples. And I love his disciples because they're completely, you read the stories throughout Scripture and they're completely taken by surprise every turn. Every turn, Jesus isn't making sense. He's doing parables and they're off at the corner going, what's going on? I don't know what Jesus is talking about. Do you know what Jesus is talking about? He's like, hi, fellas, this is what I'm talking about. He's like, it's not meant to be like this, it's meant to be like this. And for three years, Jesus is teaching them and showing them that this kingdom is not like the kingdom that we expect here on earth. The way I practice is different. And it comes close to his crucifixion and he's having dinner with his disciples. And Jesus continues to show his unorthodox practice. And it says in John 13, 3 to 5, it says, Jesus knew that the Father has put all things under his power. That's pretty bold. Jesus knew who he was and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. And so out of that knowledge and that confidence, he says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. King Jesus where John the Baptist said, whose sandals I'm unworthy to untie, starts to untie the sandals of his disciples' feet, took the lowliest position in the house, the house of his, as a servant, and started to wash the disciples' feet. And they're there and they're going, Jesus, you can't do this. And we'd look at this from an earthly perspective. We say, king wouldn't wash the feet of his servants. The king wouldn't wash the feet of his people, but here Jesus is, God washing the feet of his disciples, showing the world that his way is completely different, that his kingship, that his lordship is completely different than the way we would expect. And so I think sometimes we, we ourselves don't even expect Jesus to come and wash our life. We expect Jesus to tell us off to show us the door, to have a look of disappointment on our face. But Jesus, King Jesus, he said, if, if you want your, my lordship and my reign in your life, come and let me wash your feet. Come and let me wash your life. There's stuff in your world that needs washing. There's stuff in your heart that is dirty, that is broken, that you don't want to carry. He says, don't expect a king that is going to show you the door. Expect a king that's going to wash your feet. 
We need to change our expectation this morning so that we can come. Some of us here this morning haven't encountered Jesus in a real and authentic way for a long time because we're expecting a different king. We need to expect Jesus the king who will wash our feet, who washes our sins clean. He's willing. His kingship isn't threatened. His kingship isn't swayed because of our sin, because of our problems, because of the circumstances that are in our world. He says, no, I'm completely secure. I'm going to wash your feet. He has an unorthodox practice, King Jesus. A little bit of water. And there was a perplexing victory by Jesus. As Jesus' time grew near, washing his disciples' feet, everything is happening. His disciples are completely confused and unaware of what's going on. They're still perplexed. They still think that Jesus is going to bring a rule and a reign that is going to topple over the government. And they're getting pumped because Jesus is kind of alluding to the fact that his time is near. His time is coming. And his disciples start to get pumped and excited. And Peter has a little bit much too, too much pre-workout protein. And he gets a little bit amped and chops off the disciples' ears. Uh, not the disciples. One of the soldiers' ears. And he's like, it's on. And look, he turns to his disciples. He's like, it's about to go down. Jesus is about to, to stay. Take his reign on the earth. Come on, let's get our swords ready. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not what's happening. It's different to what you think. It's completely, it's an invisible kingdom. And Jesus goes to the cross in an unexpected manner. This is the most victorious time in history. Jesus dies on a cross. He defeats death through death. And he wins on the cross, victory for every single one of us. He defeats death, hell, and the grave on the cross. And he's, only, he's got a handful of people supporting him there because all these other disciples are like, what is going on? I have no clue what is happening. I thought he was going to be the king. And I feel like we're in good company this morning. When it comes to his rule and his reign in our life, I think we're like the disciples sometimes. They're like, where's Jesus? Where is he? I thought we we're going to take on the enemy. I got pumped. Where's Jesus gone? Where's his rule and his reign in my life? And the disciples are like denying him. All kinds of things are happening. And I feel like sometimes we're in this space, this middle place, where we're confused and not sure about the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. But I'm telling you, the plan, God's plan to redeem humanity wasn't thwarted, wasn't hindered because the disciples had an incorrect expectation. Just because we have an expectation of Jesus' lordship in our life doesn't mean his plan and his rule isn't still happening. We might not be able to perceive it, but it's still happening. And Jesus went to the cross and he defeated hell, death, and the grave. It was a perplexing victory. It didn't look like a victory. The lordship, the kingship of Jesus, his reign established, didn't look like the world's version of what a kingship should look like. And I feel like there are victories in our life that are perplexing sometimes, that we only understand when we look back. 
The disciples looked back. They understood because Jesus rose again. He wasn't defeated by the cross. He rose again. The stone was rolled away and he rose again. And he had a reveal party for like 40 days, busting through doors, busting through homes. He's like, here I am. I'm alive. And they're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. The disciples were actually scared in a room because they thought, gee, this whole thing is over. I don't know what we got ourselves into. And Jesus just busts through the door. Hey. I just feel like that's how Jesus, how the King works sometimes. If we don't get it, His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But He is King. He is Lord. And now there was an, a perplexing victory, and it doesn't finish there. He rose again. He said to His disciples, He said to everyone, He said, I've given you the... There was an unusual rule. You see... In Matthew, it says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, Jesus is the kind of king. He doesn't keep all authority and power to himself. He's a generous king. He says, hey, I'm going to give you my authority. I'm going to give you my power. Are you serious, Jesus? Yeah. I'm going to give you the power of God. It's on the inside of you. I'm going to give you authority. He's given you the same authority that He has to rule on this earth here and now. See, the rule of Jesus, His plan is to do it through us. He's on the throne. He sent a helper. He sent us His Spirit. He said, you have the power of God on the inside of you. It actually says in 2 Corinthians... 20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's ambassadors, ambassadors of the King. We've been called to be representatives in the earth of King Jesus. And we begin to see the kingship, the way He ruled. It doesn't mean overlording. It doesn't mean beating people up. It means humility. It means serving people. It doesn't mean backstabbing, backbiting in the workplace to get a higher promotion. No, the rule and reign of His kingship in your life, in your workplace, is when you elevate people around you. His rule and reign in your family is when you lay yourself, your selfish desires down and serve your family. See, we have an understanding that the rule and reign of King Jesus it's powerful, it's mighty, make no doubt about it when it comes against the enemy. But the outworking in our life is very unexpected. The rule and the reign of the kingdom. And God has called us to advance the kingdom with Him. To expand the boundaries of His rule and His reign. You see, the kingdom of God is the, is the domain of His kingship. And He's called every single one of us as we go into our workplaces, as we go into our fa families, as we go into our universities. He's called us to reflect the King, to advance the kingdom just the way that Jesus did when He was on earth. It's unexpected. It's different. It doesn't fit our human mind the way it should go. But He's the unexpected King. And I love that He came, 
He came in human form as a baby. That was unexpected because everyone was expecting the king to come like with his huge triumphal procession. You can say that word. But now I feel like the world, does they see the European painting of Jesus with a bleeding heart and they're like, oh, that's Jesus. But I love that Jesus is coming back in an unexpected fashion too. He's coming back in the clouds. He's coming back on a white horse with King of Kings, Lord of Lords written on his thigh. He's coming back with a sword coming out of his mouth. Jesus is coming back with power. It's another unexpected arrival of the King. But I'll tell you why he's alive today, King Jesus. And to know his nature as a King is to be able to reflect his nature as a King to the world around us, to expect His nature as the King that we see in the Word is to experience the nature of the King in the Word. And I think it's interesting, you know, David is a type and shadow of Jesus. He's like an Old Testament representation. I mean, Jesus was in the lineage of King David. So when we look at facets of King David, we can see aspects of Jesus. And there's this moment where David, he's wondering if there's any of Saul's family left. He's like, he's wondering, is there anyone in Saul's line that um, is still alive? You know, Jonathan's gone, Saul's gone. His covenant with Jonathan was strong. And uh, one of the servants said, yeah, there's this guy called Mephibosheth. And he's like, invite him to me, bring him to me. And you would have thought the King David is bringing him to him just to wipe out the last of you know, Saul's lineage. And Mephibosheth is actually lame in his legs. He's lame. And Mephibosheth, you could imagine his expectation of being invited to see the king. He's like, man, he's going to kill me. He's going to kill me, but I've got to go. Otherwise, he's going to kill me anyway. But he comes to King David. And King David says, I want you to come and sit at my table. Just come and eat with me for the rest of your life. I'm going to make sure your land and your household is looked after. And Mephibosheth, his expectations are blown. He's like, what? And as Mephibosheth sits at the king's table, the table is a representation of the king's covering of his lameness. Because as he's sitting at that table, no one can tell that he's lame. And, and David, just like Jesus, king, He doesn't want to take us out. He says, come to me. I've got a place prepared for you at my table. And he says, it's going to cover your sin. I'm going to cover your sin for the rest of your life. I'm going to be the covering. That's the nature of our King. That's the King of Jesus we're meant to represent and reflect to a broken, lame world. That's the King Jesus we're meant to experience as we come to His table. And we're with Him. He's glad that we're there. So I want us to all stand this morning. I just want us to to get ready to worship a little bit. Because He's worthy of our worship. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I don't know what's going on in your life at the moment. But He will not stop being King. He will not stop being Lord. He is the object of our affection. He is our hope. 
I don't place my hope in my circumstance changing. I place my hope in Him because He doesn't move. He doesn't change. He's the King who doesn't change. If God is for us, who can be against us? I just want us to close our eyes for a minute. Got one more short story. This thing is awesome. I've heard it said before. You might have heard it. But as we start begin to worship shortly, I just want I just want to share this story because it's really cool. It's about Alexander the Great. I actually think Jamie mentioned it once. It just blew me away. Alexander the Great, with his entourage, rolls into a town. rolls in with his horses and stuff and a beggar throws himself at the horse's feet and says, can, I get, can you give me three bronze coins? I just need three bronze coins. I'm desperate. Alexander the Great reaches behind and just throws a bag of gold at him. You could imagine his expectation was blown. And as he headed off, it was kind of like a bit of a mic drop moment, just threw the bag of gold and headed off and and some of his followers, like some of the other guys, his entourage on the horses came up to, up to him and said, what was the go with that? He only needed three bronze coins. He said, three bronze coins suited the beggar's needs, but a bag of gold suited my giving. So I just know that King, he wants to, he wants to blow your mind. It's going to be unexpected. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.